Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Father, we come before you as those who have a confidence not because we trust ourselves or our own strength or wisdom, but because we find all that we lack in Jesus Christ. But as we've sung that our confidence is this, this is what we hold on to, that all our hope is in Jesus. That all other foundations fall, but you alone are the one in whom all our hope, our life, our strength, everything is found. So Lord, we pray that you would haste the day when you will come back and claim us for yourselves. And that as we wait, that you would find a people who are persistent in prayer, that are strengthened by the power of your spirit to endure. And even now, as we continue to wait, as we turn our attention to your written word, would you speak to us, build us up, strengthen us, help us to wait upon you, upon the promise that is sure that you are coming back for your people, that we will make it home. pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. You guys were lifting it up. That was good. If you got a Bible, you can go to 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, We are starting a series today. You can go back one just called Just So You Know the objectives of our local church. And um, we had the elders met with Selena and uh, Alexis at some time around Christmas. I don't really remember what happened around Christmas time because it's all going so fast. But it was just really helpful to hear from them and just realizing that our church has been around for a while. I don't know for how long. I think like three years or something like that. Um, And we just haven't had a, a, a message series in a while that just talks about what are we trying to do? We're here, we've, you know, we, the church started in like 2019, then that COVID thing happened, and then we were kind of like homeless for a while, and then we, you know, God provided this space, and, uh, and we just were kind of going along, right? And Yogi said amen, that was actually a massive answer from prayer for God that we could meet in this old spot, and the people are real kind to us. But we haven't talked for a long time about what we want to do as a church, so we're going to take like five weeks or something like that and just... Just remind ourselves. For some of you, you've heard it before. Some of you are new. You're trying to figure out if this is where you're supposed to be, if this is where God's leading you. We trust God will work that out for you. We want to make sure you know what we're trying to do. All right? So the title of the message is Spread the Message. Spread the Message. If you've got 1 Corinthians 15, say, I got it. <laughs> Jaden's here. Now, this is another week where there's a passage I was planning to preach. And I'm preaching a different passage. I had something else in mind, but God had something different in mind. He had something better in mind. How many of you know that sometimes you plan and God makes you pivot? But here's the thing. Anytime God makes you pivot, 
and somebody needs to hear this right now, he's got something better in mind. And so you trust the Lord. God has a better text in mind because this text gives us the details of the gospel. This text shows us the power of the gospel. You're going to be reminded of what the gospel has done in your life and what it can do in anyone's life. It shows us also, it motivates us as why we should spread the gospel. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Ooh, you're talking today. I love it. Verse 1 says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to, to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of all of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to uh, all the apostles, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. Somebody say amen. amen. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me, whether then it was I or they. So we preached, and so you believed. God, we give you thanks for the word. Help us as we open it to hear from you, Lord God. I pray that you would speak in power through me and that we would be refreshed, we would be renewed, we'd be empowered to walk in the gospel, to live a life worthy of it. Now we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So as a church, we want to spread the message of the gospel. Here's the first reason why. It's, it's what the church did in the past. We want to spread the message because people were doing it from a, from a long time. Verse 1, he says, now, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. And he says in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died. See, Paul was just giving the Corinthians what somebody gave him. He's just like, somebody gave it to me, and I'm, and I'm turning around, and I'm giving it to you. We're talking about giving right now. Somebody gave me, I got two gifts not too long ago. One was a gift at Christmas from Jessica, and it was a picture this picture, if you can see from, uh, if you got your glasses on, this is the first church erected in, Tor in the city of Toronto. Look at that old building. First, so what do you think they did there? They put it up to spread the message. And then my friend Hassan gave me this book. It's a, it's a biography of a slave who escaped slavery came to Canada, and you know what the first thing he did? He planted a church in Toronto. And so I'm showing you this to remind you that the gospel spreading has been going on for a long time. And both of these gifts, when I got it from Jessica was over at the house, she was hanging with the kids, she survived. I realized, it gave me perspective. We're, we're not the only ones. And so many times you hear church, they get started and they're like, oh, we're doing a new thing. And God's like, yeah, you're doing an old thing. Sure, you might be innovating a little bit and all that, and that stuff is good, but you never want to mess with the message because that message has been going on for a long time. Our church exists because somebody decided to spread the message. You're in the faith because somebody decided to spread the message. 
And we turn around and we do the same thing. And I'm giving us this point to make it so that we appreciate those who have gone before us. That we humbly, we're grateful that God has stirred other people to spread the message. And it's a message you can trust. Look at verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 other, uh, other brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul's like, I dropped the gospel on you once, I'm going to drop it on you again. He says, Christ died for our sins, not as an example, as our substitute. We had a problem, God gave his son. We had a problem, Jesus took our place. Then he says he was buried and raised on the third day. That, what what's that do? It proved that he was the son of God. And it proved that sin had been paid for. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. And Jesus paid it all. He was buried by his friends. He was raised by the Holy Spirit in our place. Then he says, he appeared. Notice how many times he says it. He says, he appeared in verse 5. Then he says, he appeared again in verse 7. Then he says, he appeared again in verse 8. Paul's like, hey. If you're wondering if every, anybody saw Jesus, they did. He is not in the grave. And then he gives this little detail. He says, most of whom are still alive. You're like, why does he say that? Because he's saying, if you're doubting. See, the reality is there are some people in Corinth who are doubting the resurrection. And Paul says, if you're doubting, go ask them. They're alive. You can, they saw him. And so he says, you go and check. What he's trying to tell them is the resurrection is a fact of history. And here's the thing. Here's where it comes home to us. If you lose the resurrection, you lose everything. <laughs> you lose every. Look, I'm not making it up. Look down at verse 17. It says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. All that singing you just did is a waste of time. You rolled out of bed, you got dressed, you came here, you're like, I want, a, I want a word from God. If Jesus is not alive, you're wasting your time. And you are still in your sins. You have no hope. It says, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. The people you love, who, you, who you love. Think about that old grandma that followed Jesus. It says, if Jesus is not alive, you're not going to see that person. They're perished. It's over. It says, if, if in Christ we have hoped in this life only, we are of all pity, people most to be pitied. Oh, but here's the good stuff. Right? Sometimes you get bad news. But there's always good news. Look at verse 20. But in fact... Contrast, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. His resurrection guarantees your resurrection. His resurrection guarantees that you're going to see that person who you've lost, who you love, 
who you want to spend eternity with, you're going to get that. But in fact, Christ has been raised. Here's the thing. That's why spreading the gospel is not a waste of time. Selena wants to travel far to help and encourage people. She is not wasting her time. Flip over all the, if you can flip, verse 58. 1 Corinthians 15 is a long chapter, but there's all kinds of good stuff in it. It says, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The people downstairs sharing the gospel to those young ones, they are not wasting their time. It's not in vain. Your labor will be rewarded. Why? Because Jesus is, you have hope. And he says all of this two times is according to the scriptures. Everything happened according to God's plan and God's promises. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are, you say it. Psalm 16, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. That is an ultimate, ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He was raised. Matthew 20, uh, sorry, 12, verse 40. Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Luke 24 And he said to them, O foolish ones, this is after Jesus is resurrected. He's walking with the disciples. O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Jesus is alive. This is the gospel that the church proclaimed in the past. And it's what saves people's lives. Go back to verse 1 again. It says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received. You re- when, he, when, he, when, he, when he said it, they received it. And it's, it's this personal decision that led to a change of status. It says that Jesus came to his own. But his own did not receive him. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you know your status? Do you know who you truly are? Sometimes we wonder, who am I? You're a child of the king. You're a child of God. They received it. And then he says that you are standing in it in which you stand. The, dr- the gospel is what drives your convictions. The gospel is, what, is what's put you in this place of hope. What did we just sing? On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Have you ever checked where you're truly standing? Is, the go- is, is, Jesus where, is that where all your hope is? And then he says you're being saved by it. The gospel brings you into the faith. The gospel sanctifies you as you're in the faith. And the gospel gets you home to glory. 
You are being saved by it. Here's the thing, though. You got to hold on to it. It's in the text. Verse 2, it says, by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Here's the thing about this, this, that phrase, hold fast. You should circle it. It's the same verb that Jesus uses in Luke 8, 15. Do you know what's going on in Luke 8, 15? It's the parable of the sower. And so the word is actually talking about perseverance. And in the parable, what happens is there's a whole bunch of people who they're like, I believe. They're like, I'm in. But then life starts to happen. When you see the parable, when you read it, there is a t- there, Satan attacks. There is the influence of the culture. There is the trials of life. And what does it say? Some people actually begin to fall away. See, when Jesus and Paul, when they use this word, hold fast, what they're trying to remind you is your faith is going to be tested. It's not enough just to be like, I believe. Life is going to make it so that you find out if you do. If you hold fast to the word, to the gospel of your salvation, it's going, I'm not, I never lie to you. I try not to. That'd be a sin. (laughs) Your faith is going to be tested. The thing you you have chosen to do, you have given your life to the king, and that is hard. It's going to be, it's, you can't, this easy believism, that doesn't happen. The life is going to make you find out if it's real. It's going to be tested. But the gospel is what gets you through the fire. When Satan attacks, the gospel says he's fighting a losing battle. When the culture tries to influence you, the gospel says God has something better. When the trials of life show up, when the storms hit, the gospel says God is with you in the storm and God is going to get you through. God is going to get you to the other side. And when your flesh tempts you, the gospel says God knows best. Trust what he says. Wait on him to provide that thing that you desire. If you wait on God to give it to you when he is good and ready, it's going to be better than the lie that sin tells you. The gospel, your faith is tested, but holding on to the truth is what gets you through the fire. Now, I want to say something here real quick. This text is not saying you can lose your salvation. It says, if you hold fast. In John 6, Jesus says, no one can snatch my sheep from my hand. If Jesus has you, he has you. See, when he says, if you hold fast, All Paul is doing is he's being consistent with the parable of the sower. 
See, we persevere in the, saint, in, the, in the faith. We believe that because we're being preserved by Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. We're going to see people come in this flock, haven't we seen? And we're going to see people drift from the flock. You exist long enough. People come in and they drift out. And they drift for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes people drift because they don't believe. Sometimes people drift because they're discouraged with the church. They're hurt, offended. Sometimes people drift because they're disappointed with God. Somebody told them, hey, you know, you come to Jesus, you're going to get everything you want. And they come to Jesus and they're like, I don't have everything I want because that's not what's promised. They're going to drift because they're deceived by the culture. Sometimes people drift because of the desires of the flesh. Here's the thing, though. When it happens, when you see it, don't judge them. Go love them. Go listen to them. And do everything you can by the power of the Spirit to help them. Bring them back in if you can. James 5, it says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, this is verse 19 in James 5, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death, spiritual death, separation from God for all eternity, and will cover a multitude of sins. The person will repent and be forgiven. We don't judge, we go help. Brother, sister, we miss you. What are you doing? You speak the truth in love. They might get upset. It might be a hard conversation, but do you love them enough to say it, to go get them? And I want to say something here. Can I be your shepherd for a minute? If you're starting to drift, because sometimes we're sitting here and it's going on in the heart, starting to drift. Let me just say to you, don't. Listen to the Spirit of God, because the road back is hard. If you feel like you're just starting to come back in, keep coming. And ask God to help, to, to, to move the people in the church to help you be wise going forward. If you're all the way back, you're like, I drifted, but I'm all the way back. Well, here's the thing. Give thanks to Jesus Christ for holding you. Praise God that you have a shepherd that will lead you through the deepest valleys to get you home. And be honest with other believers about what went on and how they can help you now. The gospel is what saves lives. Here's this last one. Then we're going to go home. Well, we're going to sing, and then we're going to go home. It's what changed. No, don't come yet, Sanjay. I got you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> he knows I love when he's doing Anyway, this last one. It's what changes our story. We spread the message, 
because it's what changes our story. Look at verse 9. It says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not, uh, was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. This is the part of the message that I rewrote the most. And the thing you'll notice when you, when you listen to Paul is he talks about his past a lot. But I also notice he talks about grace a lot. If you notice, the word grace is used three times in verse 10. His grace, his grace, his grace. Sons, you can come now. His grace, his grace, his grace. Talks about it a lot. And then I'm like, like it was just, I, I wrote something, then I rewrote it. I wrote something else, then I rewrote it. And then Friday, I was, I was like, God, what? I know you want to say something important here, and everything I write just doesn't, it's not capturing what I believe you're trying to say, but I know you have a word here for, our, for the church family. And then it was Saturday morning that God was like, here it is. And it's this. When you remember your past, you need to remember God's grace. Your past, sometimes doesn't it just show up on you? you just, this, that memory just shows back up. That thing you did. And you're like, oh, why did I do that? Some people, you, some people you, who know you, you're going to see them again, and you feel the fresh shame and the fresh embarrassment. And God's like, why? I've shown you grace. The gospel has gotten rid of all of that. As far as the east is from the west, so far I've removed your sin from you. You're a child of God. You're a child of the king. You're loved by the king. Why? The gospel has changed it all. The gospel has changed your story. Paul said, I persecuted the church, but he's not doing that now. He's building up the church. He's honest about his past, but he never ever forgets to say, but God showed me grace. His grace towards me was not in vain. So when you remember your past, you look at it and you say, that's not me anymore. When you remember your past or when you feel that pull to that old habit, when you feel like going back to that vomit again, like the, that the word says, when you feel that pull, you say, God, by the power of the spirit, would you help me to realize I'm not that person anymore and I'm not going there anymore? And if you fall, if you fall, because it will happen. You ask God help you get up. You go where grace is found. You go to the throne of grace. You go to the king who loves you. You go to the king who's for you. You go to the father who says, come on home. What was the father doing when the prodigal son was walking up the road? He was looking out. 
you get up, you get on the horse, and you say, God, by the power of the Spirit, would you help me? And you're like, why is he emotional? Because I've seen some of you fall. I've seen myself fall, and I, I want us to get up. I want us to keep going. Because what God has done in your life is true. What God is doing in you is powerful. And as you get up, God will use you. One, to reflect the gospel beautifully. That, yeah, we fall. Because we're imperfect, but I got a perfect king. I got a perfect savior who died in my place. I trust him. I want you to trust him. We spread the message because of what it can do. Because of what it's done in us and what it can do in others. Let's pray. Stand with me as I pray. know what to pray. So just say, thank God. Say it with me. Say, thank God. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for changing us. Come on, thank you for changing us. Thank you for working in us. Thank you that you are sanctifying us every day. Thank you for carrying us. Help us to walk in the truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.